or they got it from. Come on. Don't act like I've never seen this before. Huh, okay. Instead, put it differently. I know I stumbled in this area. And so what is assumed in this very first verse is that the parents are wise and are walking down the road of wisdom. Are you expecting of your children that which is not in your own life? If you are, you're a hypocrite. See, how can I tell them to make wise decisions and live righteously and make sure you have a financial plan and make sure you're doing well in school and none of that is said of me. And so he says, understand this well. A wise son makes a glad father. They rejoice. They're excited because they're living out how they know they should live and they're living out how the parents have been living. I'm telling you right now, children, whether you're older children or younger children, when you live out according to how, you know, um, um, wise and godly parents have been leading you, it makes life glad. It makes life easy. You take some of the pressure off. You don't bring the sorrow. I've, I've heard many a times <clears throat> from parents that, that have that have led, you know, disciplined lives, not perfect, but consistent. And the kids are making choices that are outside of God and outside of what they've learned. And they are grieved beyond grief. I think now about the ways in which I kept my mother on her knees. And I've told you the, the one time. <laughs> that it came home for me was when I had been, I had spent my, my freshman and part of my sophomore year at um, the University of Maryland, which um, for me was a disaster, not because I was um, not equipped to handle there, it is because my heart and my mind was not pointed toward the Lord well. <coughs> and um, I did one thing well, I partied. And that's where it ends. And the results, of course, were having to come back home, recalibrate, and then begin again, which I did, and then be able to finish elsewhere. But there was one episode where, um, where it had landed me in the hospital. And I've said this before, so I don't need to go into detail. They had landed me in the hospital. And years later, my mother and I were talking about it. And I said, you know, I ended up in the hospital because of, and I was explaining, she goes, I know. I was like, you know. And of, of course, you know, she was like, come on, you're a teacher. Who do you think paid the hospital bill as you were on campus? And I said, but you never said anything. And this was the thing that she got me. You never said anything. She said, would you have listened at that moment? And I said, probably not. I said, so what did you do? I just kept praying. See, when the children are making decisions that are apart from and outside of the will of God, and you have parents who have been leading you that way, not perfectly, 
but consistently and have been showing and telling you and you go opposite of that, it grieves the heart. It puts them on their knees. It causes them to call out to the Lord that you see what is right because they know they can't make you change. But God can put you in a position where you will change one way or the other. And so remember that. You want to make your parents' heart glad, not because you are doing what they want you to do in life. It has nothing to do with that. You are living how God wants you to live, and you have godly parents. The ways of the wise and the foolish. And it talks about <clears throat> the, the, the wise and the fool. I wanted to look that up. What does he mean by fool? One of the definitions from the Hebrew of that, the first one, I thought, wow, that's kind of harsh. The first definition said a stupid fellow. I thought, wow, you say that, folk will get mad. I like, I like that definition. A stupid fellow. Dude, you're being stupid right now. You are, you are not following wise and good counsel, and you have the ability to. But here's some other things that the way of the wise and the way of the foolish, as you look through um, chapter 10. Number one, the wise will have understanding of matters. In other words, because they are disciplined and take the time to know and know with God as their faith, as their foundation, they will understand the way things work because you will be looking behind the scenes, not just on the surface. You will be getting down to the heart of the matter, to the spirit of the matter. But the way of the foolish, it says, as you look here, will be a rod on the back. Understand that the culture back then and that beating, even now in some cultures, the caning was because of foolish and illegal and bad decisions and the punishment that rod was painful. And so what it says is that for the foolish person, it will bring blows of pain to your life. They may not be physical blows from a person, but there will be blows of financial distress. There will be blows of relational failure. There will be blows of career failure. There will be blows of reputation being ruined. It will, it will give you blows when you live foolishly. Another one, the way of the wise, they heed instructions and it leads to life. Now, you would think that life means they will all live long. No, it just means fullness of life, life as it was intended and as it could be lived under the eyes of God. It, it's about life. You aren't just existing. You are living with purpose and says as you live wisely and the standard of wisdom is God found in his word through Christ. That wisdom leads to a fullness and a purposeful life. Some people walk around today and say, I don't know my purpose. Part of it is, is because your relationship with God is a, a little hindered right now. You may not even have one. And so trying to find purpose outside of God is a useless pursuit. Oh, you'll find some things to do. But that sense of purpose and direction about your life is not there. But also, so then the way of the fool doesn't just affect you. When you look at 
chapter 10, it says it leads others astray. See, your ways, especially parents, leaders, pastors, whomever you are where you are an influencer, your wisdom or your foolishness can lead people astray or lead them in the right way. How are you leading and where are you leading people to? And in the way of the fool, with their mouths, it says by their mouth will lead them to ruin. It, 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 it leads them, it says, close to ruin. What does it mean? That, that because of the foolishness of the heart, which comes out through the mouth, which shows in a lifestyle, it can lead to ruin. And when we think ruin, we think financial. Now, you may be doing it well financially. You may be handling business. But other parts of your life are headed into ruin. You can't manage your family. No one respects you. You have no influence over others that you should. When people see you coming, they don't rejoice. They moan. So the ways of the wise and the foolish, you know, the ways of the righteous and the wicked. These I'm going to hit just a little <clears throat> faster because there are several as we look through the ways of the righteous and of the wicked. And in your Bible, you will see it everywhere where you see righteous versus wicked. Here are the results of righteous living. Uh, one, it delivers you from the ways that leads to death. It doesn't say you won't die because we know everyone will. It's, it's, it's not saying that. It said, okay, untimely death, right? It will, it can keep you from, but also from killing the different things in your life that God wants life brought to. Your foolish ways can kill an education. I almost did that. As I went with the wrong heart and the wrong purpose and the Lord recalibrated me. It can kill a relationship. It can kill a church. And a local fellowship. The ways of death. It, 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 it delivers you from it. So when you live righteously, you are being spared the path of death that your sinful actions will bring about at some point. Don't think that your sin has no consequence. Oh, you may not see it right now, and you may not see it for a while. You may not even see it so much in your life. It may actually begin to come out in the people that are watching you. I had a pastor say once years ago, years ago, one, my wife, remembers this because we, we both heard it at the same time, is that the tendencies of the parents many times becomes the traits of the children. See, your sinful tendencies, as your kids watch, become their traits. It's what they do all the time. I did sometimes. <laughs> they do with regularity. Because you modeled it, it was okay. So it says that it delivers from the ways of death. It talks about how the, the, the righteous that, that, 
that the way that they are satisfied by the Lord. Why? Because they find their purpose and their satisfaction in Him. And thus, whether life is flourishing or not for you, you are satisfied. Why? Because those things of life are not what you're seeking satisfaction in. It is the giver of life that is actually satisfying you. So the difference now becomes, am I trying to be um, I'm ultimately satisfied by what I'm doing, where I live, what I wear, how much I make, whom I meet? Oh, there's some satisfaction is in, in it, but if I'm looking for ultimate satisfaction in that, you will never find it. There has to be a satisfaction of the soul first so that you can enjoy all the other things of life that God wants to bring your way. The way of the righteous, their memory is a blessing. I just witnessed that. As people spoke with great honor and 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 great you know a, a smiles and, and 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 joy and laughter about my sister because they talked about the righteousness of her life her memory is a blessing there are some people that have lived in our world their memory causes a, a frown their memory causes people to go oh glad they're not around anymore Their mouth, the righteous, is a fountain of life. Here was one. Their wages are life. Where have we heard that phrase? Go to Romans. Because the wages of sin is death, isn't it? What are the wages of righteousness? What's the payment for living right by the standard of God? Life. Well, aren't we all living life? No, we're all breathing. But we're not all living life. We're all existing. We're all waking up in the morning and going out into the world and coming back and eating and going to sleep and starting all over the next day. We're all doing that in some fashion. But we're not all living. The way of the righteous, um, their desires are granted. Now, this is not your carte blanche to say, if I live righteously, I can, I can just go and ask anything of the Lord. See, God understands. If you are living righteously, he has your heart. And if he has your heart, you're not asking anything crazy. And when you go to ask it, he's going to check it like, really? You asking me that? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Lord. Or the times when I've wanted to ask it, I mean, and, and, and I've said this to the Lord. I've wanted to ask it. And I go, Lord, I know you're not going to grant me this because I'm not even going to ask it because this isn't even in your will. But I just want you to know I would love to ask it if I thought you would actually answer it. <laughs> I've said that. I, hey, I, hey you're talking about keeping it 100, keeping it real. I do that with the Lord. I, like, I would love to ask it, but I know you're not going to answer this because I look at your word and it is totally against your word. So I'm not going to ask it. So help me to get that that, that request out of my head will really help to get it out of my heart, and it'll be out of my head. So he says, 
the righteous, their desires are granted. Why? Because their heart is in the right place and they ask the things and they desire the things that God wants. The righteous know what is acceptable. Um, they know what to say. They know what's right. Now, it doesn't mean that you always say what's right. Sometimes you know what you should say, and you say something else. I've done that too. I've said something, and I was like, Lord, I know I wasn't supposed to say that. Um, but in my little uh, obstinance, I went ahead and said it, and I should have known what was going to happen when I said it. I knew what was right. Uh, most of us, I would dare say, all of us who are walking with the Lord, before you've said something that you've regretted, you felt that check, however small. I've had it. Get ready to say something because it's forming in my mind, and I also hear you don't need to do that. You know you don't need to say that. Curtis, you know you don't need to go there. Now, there are times I have listened, and there are times I have not. And I am, and, and, and I'm, I still act surprised. That's like the person who knows there's a surprise birthday party coming when they walk through the door. And they act surprised that people are there to celebrate their birthday. We act surprised when we get consequences from doing things against God like we didn't know it was going to be there. way of the wise, they are established forever. I like that. That is foundational. You are established. And I love that forever. That's not just here on this planet. It just goes on. And the last one that I'm going to use, it says that their hope brings joy. What does it mean? What they expect and what they hope for makes their heart joyful because it's a good hope. Let me go quickly into some of the ones of the wicked. Treasures that they gain through wickedness do not profit. Now what does that mean? No, they may be making a boatload of money but what does it profit? Ooh, we heard a verse like that, didn't we? What does it profit a man or woman if they gain the whole world but lose their soul. It's of no profit, meaning there's no ultimate gain. Oh, you may gain a little in the, in the meantime, but treasures gained by wickedness, you stepping on, lying on, cheating on, manipulating, going the wrong way, stepping outside of God to gain your treasures, God says it is of no profit ultimately to you. And so, in essence, don't pursue it. Their, their cravings are never satisfied. The scripture says that, 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 that he thwarts the cravings. In other words, you can never have enough. And we see it. You can never have enough. I sat next to years ago, I mean, years ago, I was still living in New York, and I was going to the barber shop, the guy who had been cutting my hair for um, since I was getting haircuts and 
we're still going to him. I'm now, I, I, I think I'm now in my late 20s, and I'm sitting in this barbershop. It's a hole-in-the-wall place, you know, but the guy was great, and I'm sitting next to these two guys. I remember this conversation forever because it just scared the life out of me. It was when the crack um, 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 epidemic first hit in the U.S., and our cities were hit even harder, and I was living in um, Brooklyn still, and and I sat there, and they started talking, and yes, I was in their business because they were talking loud enough that I could hear them. And so I'm just like, okay. And, and, and one guy had tried crack and was talking to the other guy, and he was talking out of this, <clears throat> out of this both fear and gladness that he recovered. And he goes, it was like, man, he said, I tried that, and he said, never again. He said, I got on this high, and he said, man, it was so good. He said, but then when I came down, he said, every part of me craved that drug more. And the next time I did it, I could never get back to that first one. And I was always craving. He said, but I could never be satisfied. I was like, oh, okay. Note to self. Don't ever try that. <laughs> they didn't have to ever worry about me with that. I heard that. I was like, don't have to ever worry about that. But what I heard was I tried something that I wanted to satisfy. First time, okay. And that's what your sin does. First time, ooh, that was cool. That was nice. And then you start going back and you can never because it was Never meant to completely or ultimately satisfy. As a matter of fact, what sin really does is distract you from the fact that you aren't really satisfied. It gives you enough to keep you. And as I heard someone say, keep you long enough until you die without Christ. And then I've got you. Because you are lost forever. See, sin is a distraction, and it destroys. We know it leads to ruin. It goes down. But hear what it says. God thwarts. You can never be satisfied outside of the will of God. I mean, ultimately, you will have some satisfaction. Okay? But you won't have what you're really looking for. Where the wicked? Where the wicked? It says their mouth conceals violence. In other words... That word conceal, hide, you know. They will say one thing, but the violence that is beating in the heart of the person who wants to live a wicked life is violence. Oh, do we all express it? No. But it's there. Folks ask why. I couldn't believe he did it. My response is, I can't believe more of us don't. Because the issue is sin will, sin is a cancer, and it will cause you to do anything given the right situation and motivation. And if God is not checking your heart, let me help you out. You are capable of anything. The scripture tells us that the human heart is deceitfully wicked above all. And the only one that knows the human heart is God himself. I love this. The description is deceitfully wicked. See, we, we hear that and we think, wow, that sounds awful. No, listen to those two words, 
deceitful means it'll fool you. Make you think it's one thing and it's another. Make you think it's for you when it's not. Make you think it is joyful when it's hatred. So it is deceitfully, not just wicked, wicked where it won't even let you know. No, not it won't let you know. It's trying to fool you. And that's the human heart. And so while you think, can we all just get along? No, we all need Jesus. Because he's the one that's going to change and shape the heart. Expose those areas that are not like him and begin to show you what you need to see. Way of the righteous and the wicked. I'm going to get ready to end because we're going to finish this next week. Because we're going to go and I don't want to cut this one short. It says the heart of the wicked is of little worth. That sounds like harsh. In other words, it brings no true and real value to your life and the lives of others around you. Oh, you think you're the man or the woman and you you so educated and you so financially said he says your heart is of little worth. When it is steeped in and pointed toward and down the road of wickedness and that wickedness again is sinfully living apart from God your own way. God says it's of little worth. To help you and those around. And then it says, hmm, the way of the wicked, their expectations will die. That one is, that should be very sobering to you and me. What do you mean? That which we're expecting or we're expecting our sinful choices and our own ways to produce won't. He's just telling you it won't. You will get to the end and will go, that is not how I wanted to live my life. I did not expect this. This is not how I wanted it to end. I didn't expect to feel like this after living like this. Because your expectations will die. It's It's a warning. Is he trying to scare you? Not so much trying to scare as to warn you, but it should be scary. He's saying, if you choose to live righteously, here's what you can expect. And we like to stop right there. Why? Because we don't want to hear the other side. You ain't got to tell me all that. Yeah, I do. You need to hear both sides of it. If you don't, here's what you need to know too. So you have both sides of the matter. Because there will be sometimes on the outside, on the outside, it will look as if those that are choosing to live outside and apart from God are doing it. They are living it. Man, they are just enjoying. And God says, you don't see what I see. You don't know what I know. As a matter of fact, they don't know what I know. They don't know what's coming down the line. The psalmist says, don't fret yourself because of evildoers. Don't get worked up. I've, I've been in that position, and I've been wanting to live right, and I'm looking at those around me that are living all kind of wrong. And I'm going, but God, they seem to be doing it. 
They seem to be getting what they want. They, they seem to be succeeding in all these people around them that are pushing and egging them on. Why not just go do them? David said, boy, my feet almost slipped when I saw how the righteous, I mean, how the ungodly were seemingly succeeding. What does he mean by slip? He was like, he, he's a, I started tripping. I was like, yo, how are they living like that and getting all that? And he was like, maybe I should start living like that. That's what he means. My feet almost, I almost slipped off the right way. And here's what he says. And I want every last one of you and me as well. To, this is a great answer for that. He said, then I saw their end. Don't look in the moment of what they're doing. Look to where it is leading and what will happen if they continue living like that. See, because in the moment, anything looks good. In the moment, everything seems like it's going to lead to that which I want. In the moment. And that's why I tell you, people say, live in the moment. No, you can enjoy the moment, but you living in the moment? You're going to get some consequences in a moment that you didn't want. See, here's the, his point. God wants us to live with eternity in mind and with the end in our sight. How is this going to end if I keep doing this? That is a fair and a good question to ask yourself. How is this going to end? How am I going to fare if I keep doing this? Whatever it is that you're doing. It may lead to righteousness because you're doing what God wants, and it may lead to death. And I'm not just talking about physical death either. The killing of something. So we're going to stop there for today. We're going to pick this up next week. We finish off chapter 10. But which way will you go? What are you going to choose? And here it's the choice is every day in the moment. You are making choices all day long. How you're going to think, how you're going to live, what you're going to say, where you're going to spend your time. You are making choices all day long. And sometimes making no choice is a choice. God says, boy, there's so much in life that I have in store for you if you would just live righteously. But then as the good God he is, he says, but I got to warn you, if you live wicked, if you live against me, here's what you stand in store for. And I love that today that God gives every last one of us an opportunity to live for him and by his ways. When you make that choice, you can expect God to satisfy you, to reward you, to, to bring you through the troubles. He's not saying that you won't experience trouble. There's nothing in here that says that. But what he promises is that in your trouble, I am there. And I am satisfying you with what is truly satisfying. So what are you going to do? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that today you are... you continue to open our eyes through your word, empower us through your spirit, and allow us to see how we can live according to your will. Father, you are gracious, you are loving, you are patient. Lord, you work with us, you chide us, you, you persuade us, you move us. Father, thank you. 
that you don't give up on us. But also, Lord, you warn us that consequences are coming if we continue to choose our own way. And so we pray today, God, that you will help us. Help us to live according to your truth. And we can only do that, Lord, when we are in a relationship with you. Our sins are forgiven. You are our Savior. Our lives are pointed towards you and in your way. And we are living for it. I pray today that everyone that knows you, O oh Lord, would, would, would evaluate and reevaluate their lives. They would reflect on the choices that they're making. They would look at how they are living and they would make adjustments and would set their compass, would set their hearts on you and your way. For those who don't know you, I pray, O oh God, that they would see who you are in all your beauty, in all your glory, and surrender to you. Strengthen us as we leave here, Father. We ask you this in Christ's name. Amen. Just real quick, before I leave, I do want to say, if you are here this morning and you do not know Christ, you've never, you've never realized that you're a sinner, because we were all born in sin, all of us. You, you, you've never acknowledged that Jesus Christ is God's only provision for man's sin. And he came not only to show us how to live, but to enable us to do it by his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And as you believe and embrace that, and asking for the forgiveness of your sins, that you, that you are born into God's family and begin that relationship with him. If you've not done that, you can today. And I ask you that if you were here, that you can surely come up and see me after service. And one of the people that you see around here that are actually helping out, that indeed you would talk to us and we would love to lead you in how you can start life in Christ anew. If you are a believer, can I ask you to go home and do some reflection and be honest with yourself? God already knows. It isn't anything new to him. Be honest with yourself. And allow the Lord through his word to speak to your heart about where there needs to be changes made. And let him know why. He's enabling you to do that. He's empowering you. And so let that happen. And, um, and with that, thank you guys again for being here. For, um, for our visitors and those who are new, thank you for coming. We appreciate you being here. Um, we thank God that we have the ability to fellowship. Um, you guys, you can bring your friends and, 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 and family. Just make sure that you register, register so that we know how just to keep our spacing um, as we put out more chairs and we space well. And, and, and as we get further along in this, we're going to begin to see more people come out. And if we need to, we've already had this conversation. If we get to where we have more and more people and we can't space, we're not going to block people at the door. We'll just have another service, and we'll go to two, and we'll rearrange that, and we'll work that out. But, but, but just understand, those that are comfortable, come on out. Those that are not, enjoy the live stream. And so thank God again for you guys um, coming. Have a great week. Um, be blessed, and I'm going to turn you over to our ushers.
Christmas, we ask that together you can be stand. We'll have this, these two uh, rows head to the back and these two uh, rows head out this door. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs>